Cat's Kick, the 15-minute fantasy football podcast. I'm Paul Stoltz, former professional kicker who spent way too much time in the offensive film room. And I'm Anthony LaFreary, an award-winning sports reporter who had Darius Geis on his sleeper list until about a week ago. This week, we're coming at you with our tattoo guys. We'll explain that what that means in a second, but it's essentially the guys we're staking our fantasy football reputations on. If you didn't catch the last two episodes, we went through our quarterback rankings, and in the four episodes prior to that, we ranked our overall players 1 through 20. Really exciting news for you guys. A lot of my friends always ask me to put together a draft guide cheat sheet for them. This year, Anthony and I both created one. On Wednesday, we'll be posting it on the website for you to download. I think all you have to do is put your email address down and we'll be able to send it to you. You'll get it within probably six hours. It's really exciting stuff. It really should help you guys going forward. We both come at it from different perspectives and different formats. So you guys will want to check it out. And best of luck on your draft. Lastly, just want to plug in our social media accounts. First, please, if you haven't hit the subscribe button, go ahead and smash that for us. Secondly, you can go to our website, www.fckpodcast.com. That's where you'll be able to download the Fantasy Football Cheat Sheet. And then, of course, we have our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram. Both of the handles are at fckpodcast. All right, Anthony, let's hit it. So our tattoo guys, let's define this for everybody first and foremost, right? So it's, again, the guys this year that you and I are staking our fantasy football reputations on. It's not necessarily to say that these are the best guys that are going to be all world. These are guys that we're going to say, based on their ADP, no doubt put it in the bank, they're going to be worth their value or perform at least a little bit above their value. The second criterion we put together was that it must be a player that's going in the third round or later. Nobody wants to hear us say that Christian McCaffrey is going to have a good season. And lastly, they can't be somebody that's a sleeper, somebody that you're looking at in rounds, say, 10 and 11 or, or something like that. The way we're going to do this is we're going to rattle them off two receivers, two running backs, one tight end, and one quarterback. We're going to start with the wide receivers. Anthony, who is your first guy at wide receiver that you are putting a tattoo on? My first receiver that's one of my tattoos is Cooper Cup. His ADP as of when I put this together is in about the early fifth round. He was just a PPR monster last year. He had 94 catches. He had 1,161 yards and 10 touchdowns. Now, detractors might say he could be a one-year wonder, but one thing I look at is 2018, he played in eight games, but in those eight games, he had 40 catches for 566 yards and six touchdowns. Now, if you double that to be over the course of 16 games, he pretty much matches last year's output. So I think he's for real. And on top of that, the options in L.A. are shrinking. Gurley is gone. Cooks is gone. It's going to be more that Goff is relying upon him. So I really like Cooper Cup. 
Yeah, I love Cooper Cup. I watched his film when he was in the NFL draft. I got a little tidbit from Peter Schrager saying that watch out for this guy Cooper Cup out of Eastern Washington. And he is just such a smart player, such a smart route runner. He warranted major consideration from me. I did not put him on this list, but I have him certainly high up on the rankings. My first guy that I'm getting a tattoo of this season, Adam Thielen. Again, went to the film, right? We know Stefan Diggs is gone, but, but how good is Adam Thielen? What I saw with Adam Thielen is that he's a very intuitive route runner. He really understands what the DBs are doing, reads what the coverage is. And what I really saw was that, you know, look, we all know that Kirk Cousins is not exactly the, I'm going to go through my whole progression quarterback. I'm going to kind of lock in, maybe do a quick pre-snap read. And he sort of just trusts the fact that Cousins is running the right route based on the coverage. And when that goes through, he sort of locks his eyes in on Thielen and throws the ball his way. Look, with Diggs out, they got Justin Jefferson. He'll be a nice compliment. He'll take a little bit to integrate in the offense. Besides that, all they've got is old Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith, who I am actually pretty high on this year, but they didn't involve him enough on the offense. I'm feeling Thielen, Paul. I, I really like him. As you say, if you can't trust Adam Thielen, then I don't know what to tell you. So I'm, I'm with you, and I'm with Kirk Cousins in leaning heavily on Adam Thielen this year. Cool. Let's keep the snake style going. This next guy is a guy that I have talked about. I've posted about him, and he is my number one guy that I want to get a tattoo of this year. I happen to think he's being ridiculously overlooked. His ADP on ESPN PPR rankings is, is 105. Brandon Cooks. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great pick. Great minds. We think alike. Did you take him as well? He, I took him as well. It's, it, it, it's kind of weird too, Paul, because for years I've kind of been on the other end of the spectrum where I feel like he's overvalued. But now it, it seems as though he's gone from overvalued to undervalued. Yeah, I think that's well said, Anthony. And by the way, for the audience who maybe is tuning in for the first time, Anthony and I intentionally do not confer before we give our picks because we want our own organic, genuine, authentic reactions. You know, Brennan Hooks, we know he's the speed threat, ran a 4-3-3 coming out of college, Oklahoma State. But here's the stats I love. Throw away his rookie season. Throw away his concussion-riddled season. You're left with five years of 1,080 yards or more. He's still 26 years old, man. He's a great fit for the Deshaun Watson offense. He's really being brought there as a, as a DeAndre Hopkins replacement. And I have to say, what DeAndre Hopkins does great, which we discussed on previous episodes, is he runs excellent intermediate routes, double-breaking routes. One thing that I saw on film, Anthony, is that I can't really recall too many players that get more cushion at the line of scrimmage consistently than Brandon Cooks. And if you look at what the Rams were trying to do last year, Woods was running the short stuff in the jet motion. Cooper Cup was running short and intermediate, and they were having Brandon Cooks do a lot of the double breakers. Well, in order to hit double breaking routes for Goff, what do you need? Protection. And Goff was not getting the protection to be able to find Brandon Cooks down the field in the games where Cooks was healthy. Watch for Deshaun Watson to, to rely on Brandon Cooks in the DeAndre Hopkins role. 
Yeah, and, and just to double back on what you said, if you take out last year, which was particularly bad, dude's averaging 1,150 yards and seven TBs. That's number one receiver value. And where did you say his ADP was at the moment? It's, it's 105, dude. I mean, dude, that's like where you draft your number three, number four receiver. I mean, I, I've seen some drafts where you don't even draft a receiver after that. And this guy could potentially be a top 10 receiver. This guy's an absolute – forget steal. He's a bank robbery at this point. <laughs> well said, buddy. All right, hit him with your first running back. Well, this is definitely not going to surprise you, Paul, but I got Mark Ingram. <laughs> this is definitely one of LaFerry's boys. I think I've had Mark Ingram for the last five years in my league, and I'm going to tell you why. He's no, in no way a sexy pick, but in three of the last four years, he's averaging – 1,390 total purpose yards and in between 10 and 11 touchdowns. In a down year, he only got to appear in 12 games. He started only six of them, and he still had over 800 all-purpose yards. So if you would have prorated that out, he still would have had over 1,000 yards. Mark Ingram is clockwork. He's also the battering ram of Baltimore's offense. He's going to get his touches. He's going to get all the running back goal line touches. I mean, Lamar might steal some from him on the goal line, but on the whole, I mean, this guy is a lock to have over 1,000 yards and to have on the low end six touchdowns but could hit double-digit touchdowns without, you know, much effort. Yeah, I know you hate Ohio State, and you can't talk about Mark Ingram this year without bringing up J.K. Dobbins, who they, of course, took with an early-round selection. And I'll just say this on J.K. Dobbins real quick. He's very smooth. He's a dynamic cutter. He's more of a big play guy. He's the right complement for a Mark Ingram. And I think you're going to see a lot of three-back sets in, in the Ravens' offense this year. They're going to mix in J.K. Dobbins. Mark Ingram is especially valuable in a non-PPR league. My first running back, this is going to come as no surprise to anybody who's listened to the first few episodes. I'm really high on Todd Gurley this year. He's sort of going third round, which maybe is about his, his value. Again, I think he's going to be a top 10 running back this year. The one thing I'll say, which I said on the previous podcast, is that when I watched film of Todd Gurley, I saw 2018 midseason Todd Gurley last year, but what I didn't see was 2017, 2018 Andrew Whitworth and company. Also, Rob Havestein was out for most of the season. Look for Gurley to bounce back. Again, he turned 26 last week. Yeah, I, I, I like me some Todd Gurley too. I didn't pick him because I was almost certain you were going to pick him, but. You know, I think he's going to be in a better situation in Atlanta. I think the Rams are a sinking ship. So he should definitely be a bounce back guy this year. Cool. My second running back, this is the least sexy running back I think there is in fantasy football, but it's Leonard Fournette. 
He's a guy I don't think I have ever drafted. I don't find him altogether that impressive. He's sort of, oh, there's a hole. All right, I made it through. And every once in a while, he'll break something out. But the one area where we saw Leonard Fournette really improve himself last year was his pass catching. And it wasn't just because, oh, we're now going to start throwing the ball to him. It happened because of two reasons. One, Leonard Fournette has continued to improve his pass blocking which makes him one of the few three-down backs in football. And secondly, Gardner Minshew panics <laughs> <laughs> and tosses the ball to him. So, look, he's going to keep getting the touches. On I believe out of the six – I believe there were six games last year. I don't have the stats in front of me. Six games last year where he had at least 20 touches. And out of those six games, four of them he went over 100 yards. The last thing on him – on Leonard Fournette is that he only had three touchdowns last season. So he caught 76 balls, had some hundred odd carries, and he only scored three touchdowns. Again, touchdowns can be a product of situation, and he clearly just didn't have enough opportunities at the one or the two-yard line to go punch it in. Look, I don't think he's going to score 12 this year, but he's going to do better than three. That's a great point, Paul. In sports, I find that everything reverts to – the mean eventually when guys get very lucky for a year, way luckier than they should be getting and they overperform. I always think they're due to come back down for earth. And as far as three touchdowns for Leonard Fournette, I never would have guessed that he's, he's better than that. I I've always liked Leonard Fournette. I may not like the Jaguars, but he's going to at least double that touchdown output this year. So that, that should help his cause quite a bit. Well, I'm going to stick with your theme of reclamation projects. I got Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I, I love this one. Go ahead. Yeah, he's averaging mid to late third round with where he's going right now. He basically missed five games last year with his holdout and other various stuff. But he still managed to eclipse 900 total yards and nine touchdowns, so... I mean, do the math. Again, if you prorate that, he's probably 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns. So, yeah. I mean, this guy's a machine. He's going to be in a better situation, I believe, in Denver. I think they're going to really focus on running the ball, getting the ball to him out of the, the backfield. They're just a bit more conservative in that regard. Also, there's no Austin Eckler there to really take carries away from him. I really like Melvin Gordon this year. Yeah, Anthony, you like to talk a lot about media hype and how there are sometimes a, a story being told, being told or portrayed by the media. You know, guys like Gurley or Fournette or Melvin Gordon, who sounds like they're having down seasons and whatnot. But you got to remember, most of the media does not look at – they just look at the stats – right? Or they just hear in interviews or something. They're not actually watching the film themselves and making their own judgments. Hopefully you guys listening to this can take guys like this and maybe they're sort of antithetical picks that we really think can propel your team forward this year. Anthony, who you got as your tight end? I hate to do this and my father might disown me for this, but I have Evan Ingram. Wow. <laughs> okay. I'd like to hear this. I like him towards the end of the middle rounds. I think there's great value there. 
he's a definite fantasy football tight end one. If you draft him, you will start him. I think Daniel Jones should improve going into year two. He's going in about the eighth round, so maybe that's a little bit earlier than I thought, but I, I just like the situation he's in. If Jones takes a step forward at quarterback, he really could be in for a big year because I really don't know what else is there in New York that I trust outside of Saquon in that offense. I can go on all day about the Giants. The Giants have three B-level receivers, Golden Tate, Darius Slayton, and Sterling Shepard. They all are decent, but look, Evan Ingram is the number one option. He's an athletic freak. If he stays healthy, that's always been, no pun intended, his Achilles heel. (laughs) Then he's going to be a go-to guy. And he's got top four potential for sure. My tight end that I'm getting a tattoo of this year is Darren Waller. I know that probably doesn't shock you because preseason, I was touting him every single day that Mm. this was going to be the breakout tight end last year. Let me tell you why he's going to sustain it. Number one, He sought out Jason Witten as his mentor. And as much as I hate to compliment a cowboy, Jason Witten (laughs) is probably one of the top two or three best tight end mentors that you could have. And he's also stepped up and taken a leadership role in the Las Vegas Raiders offense. And I just think this is the guy that they're currently building their team around. I like Waller too. For every reason you just said, I didn't know he sought out Jason Witten. Jason Witten, there's no one in the world better to learn the position of tight end from. He actually probably could end up being a, a coach, even a head coach, if he chooses to after he retires. All right, let, we're on the back nine now. Let's go with our quarterback. I'll go first. I think my first five picks. Many might consider safe. You know, I didn't mention anybody that I think is earth shattering. And that's part of the point of this is guys, we can, again, stake our fantasy football reputations on that are no doubters in the first rounds, three through 10. This one I'm going to go with, he's going undrafted in a lot of leagues and he's the number 20 quarterback in ADP. It's Jared Goff. Whoa. Yeah. So The offensive line, I've complained about over and over. They're old, they're slow, but Havenstein's coming back. Even with as bad as that offensive line was last year, do you know who threw the most passes in the NFL? Jared Goff. When you talk about floor, Jared Goff is a guy who is going to put up yards. He is going to put up touchdown passes. He only had 22 last year, slight regression year. But McVeigh's offense is built around this. And without Gurley, bombs away. I don't particularly love Cam Akers. I don't particularly love Henderson or Malcolm Brown. They're going to keep throwing the ball this year, and McVeigh's going to come with a little bit of a wrinkle. I'm not telling you that Jared Goff is going to be all world. He's not the best thrower of the football. He is average at best at reading defenses and going through his progression but he's going to have a decent season. I'll be honest. I am not the biggest Jared Goff fan in the world. I think you make a very compelling argument 
especially with where he's going. I think he's a guy that if you draft him to be your number two quarterback and he somehow puts it all together and boy genius McVay proves that he is who he is, then he, he might be a number one quarterback again. So I, I see where you're coming from. I don't think you're absolutely insane. I wouldn't do it, but I don't think you're a madman either. Yeah, look, most of the times on our show, I'm always making arguments for talent will prevail. What does the film say? Don't always just read the stats. I'm kind of going against my own thing here. I'm not telling you to take him above Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson. I'm simply saying that he's going to throw the ball a lot and he's going to have a lot of opportunities. I want to make one more point on Jared Goff. He is being drafted behind Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan <laughs> Tannehill, and Joe Burrow, who has not yet thrown a pass in the NFL. You literally just made the most compelling part of your argument just now. There is no way on God's green earth that Jared Goff should be drafted behind any of those guys. <laughs> any of them. Maybe I could maybe see an overzealous Cincinnati Bungles fan drafting Joe Burrow, but that's literally the, the only scenario I could possibly see that. So moving on to my tattoo QB, Deshaun Watson. I love Deshaun Watson. Go ahead. I love Deshaun Watson since he's come out of college. He's going towards the end of the sixth round right now. And I don't like to draft quarterbacks really early. Within the first three to four rounds, I try not to do it because I always feel you're overpaying for a quarterback where you could get that number two running back or that number two receiver, and that could make a huge difference, especially in most standard leagues where passing touchdowns are only four points. Sixth round, I think that's pretty appropriate to draft about a, a quarterback. I worry a little bit about injuries, but the dude is just so talented. He's got the legs. He's got the arm. He's going to throw the ball a lot. He's going to have the opportunity. And as I said in our previous episode where we were ranking our quarterbacks, it may seem like a concern to lose DeAndre Hopkins, but Bill O'Brien did an excellent job of replacing him in the aggregate with Cooks and David Johnson and Kenny Stills is there and Wolf, Will Fuller is there. Watson is going to eat. So people take advantage of the naysayers this year. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode, everyone. Hope you enjoyed listening to our tattoo guys next episode we're going to be going over our tight end rankings please don't forget to follow us on at fck podcast on twitter on instagram and don't forget on wednesday august 12th we are officially launching our 2020 fantasy football draft guides our cheat sheets that you guys can use for your fantasy football drafts. That's at www.fckpodcast.com. 
and go ahead and hit that subscribe button real quick because we'll be putting out a lot of content in the next two weeks. Thanks so much, everyone.